The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Every time the gang starts out thinking that they have nothing to talk about, they end up exploring all sorts of conversational airspace. This time, they compare a few upcoming aviation events, consider how to cope with the FSS mess, and ponder the idea of a flying jacuzzi. All this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 33. It's Senator Fogbound in a hot tub. Lounges and the whole hot thing. Hot tub, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, hot tub, by the way, how did... Oh, see, now we're don't, going to... I, don't, I don't, don't even think about it. I've been on airplanes where I was concerned about my diet 7-Up spill exactly. and making a big mess. So, how does that work? I, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, now taking the active runway, the uncontrolled airspace airheads. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I resemble that remark. Yes, you do. Uh, and if you checked in the mirror, you'd notice how strong the resemblance is. Well, welcome, folks, to episode number 33 of Uncontrolled Airspace. Uh, welcome, to everyone, to uh, the virtual hangar here this morning. Again, we're recording on Thursday morning. It's uh, Now, see, I'm not even going to guess the date this time. I'm just going to look. It's June 14th. There we go. It's June 14th. We're almost halfway through June. My goodness, but the... But the uh, how slow the winter went by, and now the spring and summer is just, just barreling along here. It is moving like an airplane, yeah. fast. And, well, you haven't, no, I'm not going to talk about weather. I'm not going to talk about weather. I'm not going to talk about weather. Okay. With, with us this morning in the virtual hangar is, uh, that's Dave Higdon's voice you're hearing there. Dave is talking to us from, from beautiful uh, Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor at Kit Planes Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Uh, all the aviators in the air, on the ground, at their computers, in their hangars, hanging out wherever you happen to pick us up. Uh, I hope you got a great weekend coming. So, so all right, I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> the weather's been weird up here, too. This is what I can't get over. It's just like, is this just an odd year, or is climate change really catching on here you know it's been i, I don't know I, I i you know it's it's been kind of interesting here we haven't had any rain for three or four weeks here in the dc or any appreciable rain three or four weeks and then uh yesterday started clouding up and it's it's been a nice slow kind of soaking uh uh steady rain off and on ever since it's still overcast and cloudy we had a thunderstorm here last night knocked out my power and uh -huh. i'm currently grateful for the opportunity uh, a little kryptonite for the technology that's right yeah. it's been uh, really unseasonably cold up here in boston it, it almost feels very, like mid to late fall it's, it's been very cool here i don't have the air conditioner on and that's yeah. just almost unheard of for yeah. mid-june and the other weird thing here is that we've had a bunch of thunderstorms over the last week or so that have been ar arriving from like the north northeast which is just unheard of for thunderstorms to come from that direction. They always come from the westish, you know, and uh, um, it's very bizarre. That other voice you're hearing this morning is Jeb Burnside. Jeb is uh, talking to us from uh, the unseasonably cool Springfield, Virginia. <laughs> Jeb is a freelance aviation journalist, currently serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and also as a contributing editor to Avweb Biz. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, David, and, and all of our listeners. I hope everyone's doing well. That's right. What do you say, Jeb? 
<laughs> and I am Jack Hodgson here in Boston, Massachusetts, where I am a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. There's no Jack H like our Jack yeah, H. Yeah, I've heard that. I still don't quite understand what it means, but I'm assuming that it's good. That's my, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, stick with it for you also. Uh-huh. You reference little Abner sometime. I Oh, Okay. So yet another. Well, no, that was. It's right. Uh, Chester wasn't a cartoon character. Chester was a TV <laughs> character. Right. Uh, uh, Chester was Mr. Dillon's sidekick on Gunsmoke for. Uh, uh, well, so many years that Dennis Weaver actually developed uh, one leg longer than the other. I see. So I don't now. I now now I don't know what to think. You guys are thinking. You you guys think of me as oddball pop culture characters. And uh, you know. <laughs> no, no. Well, time out. Back up. You said you guys. I, I, I'm I'm not one of them. Yeah. I don't think of you in those ways. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I don't want to go any further with this conversation. What's going on in the world of our little wait, standard wait, wait, wait. promo here? I want to uh, encourage everyone to, in addition to listening to the podcast, uh, to visit the Uncontrolled Airspace uh, website. Uh, there's a lot of fun things going on there. Show notes to all these episodes. Uh, the blog, which there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I've been saying this, but it's really true. Every week, there's more and more stuff happening on the blog between us posting news stories that may or may, make, may, or may not make it onto the podcast. Podcast um, and uh, uh, visitors to the website posting comments. A lot of things happening in the blog. Uh, you can also get our email address, so you can send us uh, feedback. And you can get the telephone number for our listener line, so you can send us audio feedback. You can subscribe to the reminder email lists if you want to be uh, uh, told when there's a new episode online. And uh, added new last week is the aviation calendar, uh, where we were listing uh, some of the uh, aviation events that are going on around the country. One thing I want to point out about the aviation calendar um, is is that uh, it, it was never our intention to try and create the be-all, end-all, um, comprehensive aviation calendar for you know America and the world. Um, it's much more of a place for us to just post things that are sort of on our radar, uh, things that sort of have an uncontrolled airspace feel to them. Or that, As in the more obscure the event, the better, yeah. you know, or, the more or, it fits in. Yeah, so uh, we've been gradually posting things there, and uh, uh, um, we've got a few submissions from folks, and uh, it's kind of going to grow slow. We also added links there, though, to two um, what we consider to be very, very good comprehensive aviation events calendars, and those are the ones from uh, from EAA and AOPA. So if you want to uh, find uh, those calendars, you can go to our calendar first and then link straight on through to those. So uh, we added a few things there. Um, uh, one that I wanted to plug um, that's uh, one of my favorite fly-ins. I've mentioned this one in the past, and it's coming up now in a few weeks, and that is the uh, Yankee Ultralight fly-in in Greenland, New Hampshire. Uh, oh, it sounds cool. It is a great, great fly-in. It's a, it's a, it uses the sort of Sun and Fun Oshkosh model. It's a, it's a week long, or actually it's a, a, a bit long. Wow. It's like two weekends long. It starts one Saturday and runs to the following Sunday. Um, it's held on uh, Sanderson Field, which is a, uh, a private strip uh, on uh, on in one of the fields of a guy's farm, um, who's I believe he's a retired airline pilot. Um, so it's it's grass. It's oh, it's absolutely grass. Um, oh, cool, grass it, for grassroots. It's right. Uh, it's not only grass. I've talked about this before. It's it's it, it's not even hardly level. It's uh, it's actually got a, <laughs> it's actually got a major major hill at one end of the runway and uh, an airplane. Ah. 
will uh, phone into places like that. Taxi up to the hill and actually will kind of you know roll down the hill full power and uh, t- and they'll lift off before they reach the relatively level part of the runway. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, they have a little campground. They have cookouts and food and barbecue and and uh, safety seminars and uh, they have uh, spot landing contests and uh, 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 beanbag drop contests. Uh, most every spot evening. Spot landing contest. That's got to be hard on that dog. <laughs> they also will uh, um, most evenings throughout the week uh, around uh, just prior to sunset they'll have a cub fly down the runway and drop candy onto the runway for the kids to run out and grab the candy and uh, it's just it's just a fun great you know kind of family grassroots uh, fly-in thing uh, it's please, please please don't mistake the low flying yellow cub as a piñata that's right yeah yeah be careful about that um, it's in greenland new hampshire which is a little town it's uh, actually just in uh, inland from Hampton, New Hampshire, which is uh, the big resort town in New Hampshire, and uh, um, we put a link to it in the uh, events calendar, and it will also be in the show notes. And uh, it starts on July seventh, and it's for uh, a week, about ten days. And uh, um, I love it. Um, by the way, not only can you attend, if you're looking for a way to get involved, they're looking for volunteers. If you go to their website, there's a place where you can contact uh, them to volunteer to help out with uh, preparing the grounds or helping out during the fly-in or whatever. And even if you're not a pilot, if, this is, if you're looking to break into it, this is a great way to do it. Um, now, now, for for those who don't want to scroll back through their uh, on their iPod, tell us again the dates, place, and, and event name. Yep. It's called the Yankee Ultralight Fly-In. It begins on July 7th, uh, which is a couple of weeks from now. It lasts about a week, about uh, two weekends. It's I believe it's the 7th through the 15th or something like that. Um, Greenland, New Hampshire, which is uh, just near Hampton, New Hampshire, uh, near in the, what they call the Seacoast area. And uh, the website address is in the show notes. Very good. Yeah. Dave, you posted, uh, you added to the uh, calendar a whole bunch of uh, items uh, recently. Are there any of those that stand out in your mind uh, that uh, that you're particularly fond of? Or well, one of them that I've I've grown really fond of over the last uh, few years that we've been residents of Wichita is uh, the EAA Chapter 88 uh, Independence Weekend fly-in at uh, El Dorado, Kansas. That's Jack Thomas Airport, and the uh, the uh, Chapter's holding it for the 44th time this year. Uh, it's just a nice little uh, uh, over large, overly large uh, chapter fly-in. Uh, they draw a lot of airplanes from some of the surrounding states. Uh, uh, nice homey thing. You can come out and spend uh, you know three or four hours and see 80% or 90% of it. They have a uh, uh, fly-in breakfast on Saturday. Uh, this is coming up on the 6th and 7th. Of, uh, of July. Since Independence Day is in the middle of the week this year, we all get cheated out of a three-day weekend. So the uh, uh, EAA fly-in at El Dorado, Kansas uh, is uh, the following weekend. And uh, there's a link in the show notes about it on the calendar page. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, nice, homey little event. It kind of, you know, uh, it, all it really needs to be 100% the idyllic uh, old-time fly-in is a grass field, but Captain Jack Thomas Airport is very much a uh, well-paved, long runway field, so nobody really has any trouble getting in and out of there with the, uh, the experimentals and antiques and vintage and classics and contemporaries that show up for this thing. Sounds like fun. Very, 
Yeah. Very cool. Jeb, I, know, I don't know. You haven't actually posted anything to that calendar yet, although I think you were talking about it this morning. Oh, I was trying to, actually. I, don't, I, um, I did post something while we were chatting earlier and uh, did not show up. I'll, I'll come back at that later. Okay. Can you tell us about it? What, what's uh... A Gathering of Mustangs. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, let me find. Up in Ohio. Uh, it's Columbus, Ohio area. Let me find the uh, specific uh, item Sep- I was looking September at. September 27th. September 27th through 30. Rickenbacker International Airport in Columbus. Uh, I'll just read from the from a blurb here. Um, the gathering will bring together over 100 beautifully restored P-51 aircraft with 51 of the legends, heroes, and aces forever connected to these aircraft. The event will include four days of amazing aerial demonstrations and performances, including Mustangs and other World War II fighters and bombers. U.S. Air Force aircraft, including the Elite Thunderbirds demonstration team and top civilian performers. So that's uh, uh, coming up again late September 27 through 30 in Columbus, Ohio. And that is a big, big chunk of the Mustang population that they're getting at this thing. Uh, The website for that is www.gml2007.com. This is uh, kind of a sequel to a similar event held, I want to say, either 99 or 2000 in, I believe, Kissimmee, Florida. Yep. where they didn't have as many, I'm not sure how many they had. I know it was a well-attended event. Uh, you, you get to see Chuck Yeager flying a P-51 and things like that. Robin uh, and it, was, it was the yeah, it was the first of uh, of this uh, gathering of Mustangs series. I understand this to be the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kissimmee's a cool little airport. I've never flown into it, but uh, oh, it, is it, a, it is a cool little airport. Yeah. Yeah, do, I was do, in there uh, uh, last October. Yeah. Do they still have the? For a while there, they had this uh, sort of FBO that was a school for restoring warbirds, and uh, you could actually go down and sign up for a week long class and go down and and you know work on a B twenty five or or whatever. And uh, you I, know, all the times I've been in and out of Kissimmee, I've been you know almost suit and tie ish and uh, uh, in a hurry and never really had time to stop and smell the coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember seeing anything like that there, but uh, it won't be the first time that something like that eluded me. Yeah, I mean, this was many well, years ago. I heard about it, so it may may have moved on or something. But uh, well, there was there was definitely a uh, very active restoration shop there. They they, if I remember right, their last big project was a B seventeen that yeah. they finished. But I think the uh, savage hurricane season that Florida experienced a couple of years ago may have put a little dent on their activities there because Kissimmee was one of those fields that uh, took a little bit of a beating. Yeah, yeah. that does sound uh, but familiar. It, but uh, it, it, if, you're going to, uh, if you're going to Orlando and uh, you want to avoid uh, you know, some of the major traffic of Orlando to get to the uh, Disney attractions or to the convention center or International months. Drive, Kissimmee is, is, uh, is, is easily a bit more convenient than uh, Orlando Executive. Uh, you also executive great service over there, particularly from the show Walters uh, and, and the other FBO across the field. But Kissimmee, it's just a little easier shot into the convention center area and International Drive. Uh, it's not quite as traffic intense as Exec. Uh, it's a little farther away from International, uh, and they're nice folks there. You can pick up a rental car there at uh, any of the FBOs and uh, motor right into town. Yeah, I, I've always had uh, good experience there at Kissimmee and. They have a, um, a broader choice of FBOs than uh, Executive does. Nothing wrong with Executive, although the prices might be a tad high. Um, 
but uh, uh, Kissimmee is highly recommended for that uh, for the Orlando area if you want to if you need to go to Orlando. Yeah. Well, moving on here. Let's see. Uh, this is an. I don't know whether you guys know anything about this, but I saw this story and it kind of caught my eye, and I wondered if maybe you knew anything. Um, it was a story about the fact that uh, that orders for the new Airbus, uh, the big jet, um, is are really really low. We knew that. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. You're talking about the A380. I believe so. Yes, and that the new the new Boeing, the what is it, 787, um, has like hundreds of orders. Right. Okay. Wait. Time out. Uh, there's kind of an apples and oranges at work here yeah. in, in terms of market segments. Uh, the 787 is a, a single deck, wide body, double row, long range twin jet. Uh, a lot of new high technology. The A380 is the uh, uh, 747 competitor. It's a double decker, four engine, long range. Uh, it'll carry damn near double what a uh, 787 will cover. Uh, Airbus is A350X, I think it is, which is a re uh, re uh, assertion of a design they started on to compete with the Boeing 787. It's running way behind, uh, but it 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 kind of had to go back to to the starting line a couple of years ago, uh, so it's picking up some momentum. But so the with, with that explained, really doesn't have uh, doesn't have a big market base anyway. Uh-huh. Right, right. Uh, I guess two two or three things going on. Airbus clearly has had some issues with getting the 380 uh, through you know through production. Of course, it did, it made its uh, um, inaugural tour of the U.S. a couple months back, uh, landed at all the major airports, and and kind of demonstrated that it could. Um, three eighty, uh, the big airplane that could. The 380, um, while you know initially excitement was very high, uh, the market acceptance is yet to be demonstrated for that aircraft. The uh, uh, the operating costs, um, uh, the market, uh, all of that uh, has kind of uh, shied off a few airlines. They're taking a wait and see attitude. The 787, on the other hand, is much more mainstream. Uh, the, the 380 is is. Uh, Stay points out is probably well is the largest commercial airliner uh, in existence or, or soon to be in existence. Um, the 787 is is much more mainstream. Um, doesn't require uh, you know different gate capacity or or uh, uh, different hard stands or anything like that. Um, new tech, very high tech from Boeing uh, is always a good seller. And uh, right now, as far as uh, uh, the airline market, airliner market, seems to be concerned. Boeing is clearly uh, ahead of Airbus. Mm-hmm. Oh, the seven eight seven has just been selling like gangbusters. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'd almost think it was the seven thirty seven variant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it's racked up uh, a backlog during its development uh, period. Uh, I don't want to shoot too much from the hip here, but if I remember right, the order numbers for the eight seven are well into the four hundred. 400 range. That sounds like what I saw, yeah. So, uh, and in fact, two of them are, are VIP versions. Yeah. Uh, personal yeah. airports. And, and, uh, and, and Boeing Business Jets has apparently uh, sold a, 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 seven eight, a 747 uh, dash 8 uh-huh. variant. That's the new one coming along. It's not flying yet. Uh, one of those for uh, corporate slash VIP transport, too. Right. Uh, you know, that's getting up there like selling an A380 for your business jet. Mm-hmm. I, I well, saw. I, I saw. Go ahead, Jeb. Sold, 
I think there is an A380 either sold or or earmarked as a personal jet for uh, you know some some uh, uh, Saudi Sultan or something. Yeah, uh, I saw a drawing of one that was that, yeah. that they had actually of uh, the plans for making uh-huh. into a personal jet with you know lounges and you know meeting rooms and bedrooms and the whole Hot thing. Tub, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, hot tub. By the way, how? Did, uh, see now we're. Don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't. Even, don't even think about it. Um, I mean, I've been on airplanes where I was concerned about my diet Seven Up spilling but, <laughs> right. and exactly. making a big mess. So, how does that work? I, I don't know. <laughs> anyways, yeah, I, but that, that's that's a, that's an atmosphere in which I rarely travel. Yeah. But I have to uh, tell you, it's. I would like to find out someday. I would like to find out yeah. to also, if just not from a personal interest standpoint but from a technical interest standpoint right. how do they do well, they, that how do they do that well, they, that may be something that they use only on the ground well that just kind of ruins it <laughs> come on it, it, do, it does it yeah, does like i want to be on an a380 if I, if it's on the ground you know because yeah. i mean it just introduces all kinds are of new kidding? possibilities you, to the mile high club you know are you kidding you could you could run a restaurant and apartment complex on on the wing in an a380 the, the what club jack that nothing <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear you. Yeah, okay. In Mile High Club, Jack, you know, you, you you could probably introduce a whole club of people into the Mile High Club I know. on one flight. Yeah, it would be. Well, okay. See, we're all yeah. <laughs> family <laughs> podcast, family podcast, family podcast. Here, um, so where were we? Uh, all right, so uh, so there's all these new. So it's getting harder and harder for us to select which. Of these is going to become the uh, uncontrolled airspace uh, business jet, our, our little private private jet, huh? Uh, yeah, but we've got plenty of time. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and the way the bank account's filling up on this, uh, we, we we're closing in really soon on being able to start an engine for five seconds. Well, I've been thinking they're going to comp us. You know, they're going to like it's going to be good promotion for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, then, then, then we're just down to paying for fuel and crew. And, sure, uh, we can cover that. Uh, moving on, moving on. See, so over the last few episodes, we've been talking about the subject of uh, the problems with the flight service station system. And uh, there have been problems with FSS. Yeah. Well, now a couple I'm episodes ago, I'm, sh- I'm stocked, shocked, and stunned. A couple episodes ago, we were reporting um, that we were experiencing these delays and these problems, and then I think it was last week um, we all sort of seemed to feel that it had gotten better um, and that we weren't noticing delays personally. <laughs> Personally, um, and in fact, there was news about how they were trying to address the problem, and the FAA was 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 trying to fine uh, uh, or, or at least you know invoke the penalties to to uh, Lockheed Martin, and uh, um, but it seemed like it was getting better. Now the news is coming out that it's actually not getting better. Um, AOPA, for example, is urging pilots to uh, report F- uh, flight service station problems to try and get it on the record. Um, an interesting quote from Phil Boyer at AOPA. He says, uh, "He says on a day when Lockheed Martin reported that the longest hold time for the entire system was four minutes, we had a member report a 20-minute hold, and their system averages seem to be much better than what our members say the real-time experiences are." He says, uh, "We encourage the Department of Transportation Office of Inspector General to resolve that apparent discrepancy." So they want uh, pilots who are uh, to report their experiences on flight service to get it on the record. What what are you guys seeing these days? Well, I'm I'm seeing uh, uh, improvement. I hesitate to say, um, 
the, the last, uh, the, the, the most egregious problems I've had with flight service uh, in recent months occurred in April. Um, in, in May and in June, uh, I really had not, have not had any issues. That tracks fairly closely to what some people are saying that uh, when the uh, consolidation effort at Lockmart began in earnest, um, the, the greater problems uh, were uh, in, in the initial stages. Now, I'm not going to be a Lockmart apologist by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but from my personal experience, it has, it has improved. Um, I'm. But then again, I'm you're, not taking, sure. you're taking some steps that kind of obviate the odds a little bit on some What's of your that? flying, aren't you? Well, well, not necessarily, because I'm always picking up the phone and calling to file directly with a human uh, for a variety of reasons, not least of which is I've not had really good luck over the years with Duat. And secondly, um, it's just easier sometimes to pick up a phone. Yeah. Thirdly, uh, because I'm flying in and out of the Washington, D.C. 8s, um, it's, it's always preferable to me to talk directly with the Leesburg Flight Service Station. That, that's what I'm and, talking about. You're not filing through whoever picks up. You're using the right. long-distance number to right. call direct to Leesburg. Right, but I've also used uh, St. Pete um, and uh, both, uh, well, uh, mainly by telephone and have had no real issues. I've used Macon um, and, and a couple of other facilities also. Um, I, I think uh, some of this um, is is some of the the, the general aviation powers that be um, are really just kind of coming up to speed on some of this, and and finally taking Lockmart to task and finally documenting a lot of this. Um, but uh, whether it's whether it is in fact better out there uh, or worse. Um, I, I really can't say, you know, based on my personal experiences, it seems to be a little bit better. I don't want to be flip about this, but has anybody given any thought to the sound of this? You know, you you buy the cheapest stuff at Walmart and the contract for FSS from Lockmart. I don't uh, think that's a tip at all. Uh, you know, I just, it, it, it like makes, me, makes me wonder, yeah, wow, is the lowest bidder really the smart way to go? Well, uh, um I've got I've got some coverage in the last couple of months of Aviation Safety Magazine that I've I've kind of tinkered with and worked on and and uh, there, there's there's an argument that says you know this is an abomination um, th this is a, a critical safety issue this is um, um, the FAA and and Lockmart and and uh, uh, federal government generally has abdicated their responsibilities et cetera et cetera. Um, there's another argument that says, well, um, we shouldn't be uh, expected, we shouldn't expect to be coddled uh, uh, by, <laughs> you know, by flight service stations. Uh, we, we should be doing some of this on our own. And, um, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but. You, yeah. Gee, what, it, it, be a man. What, what is it about? didn't need a flight briefing. What, wait a minute. What is it about the word service and flight service station that's, that, that, that these folks are missing? I, 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 uh, makes makes my head want to explode. No, sure, mine, mine too. Um, but the the problem, as I see it, is is for the less experienced pilot who oh yeah uh, needs to um, talk to a human to explore. You know, all right, what is you know? I'm I'm flying 500 miles tomorrow, and the forecast is for 500 over and 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 five miles. 
what I'm sorry, not 500 over, but but say 2,500 overcast and five miles visibility, um, and he wants to know whether or not he'll be able to make that flight. Well, uh, in the past, um, you could call up your friendly neighborhood flight service station, and in the past being, you know, 70s and 80s, and then uh, even perhaps more recently, call up your friendly neighborhood flight service station and, and play 20 questions with the briefer. Uh, and he or she would uh, help interpret some of this yeah. weather information, okay? And, nowadays, and, and, and nowadays you nice don't have those that. people actually had some experience in the right. weather in the areas right. they were talking about. Exactly right. Nowadays, you don't have that interpretive capability. You don't have that local knowledge. I had a guy uh, uh, wearing my, my editor hat. I had a guy call me, uh, a reader actually. Um, it's been three or four weeks ago now. He's based in the Houston, Texas area and uh, was going out one afternoon evening for some uh, instrument duel. Um, looked at an X-Rad display and saw some thunderstorms creeping up from the south, picked up the phone, called flight service, got connected to some guy, I'm going to punt and say in the, in the Great Lakes area, mm-hmm. okay, and said, you know, what's, what's, the weather gonna, what, what's the weather doing in Houston? And the guy basically said, oh, hey, everything's fine. Go have a great, great day. Go fly. And if, wait, wait, hang on a second, dude. Um, look at your radar and, and see that red stuff there? You know, tell me what that's going to do. And after some hemming and hawing, um, the briefer was forced to admit that, well, maybe that, you know, going out and, plan- and doing what the guy had planned wasn't such a great idea. Um, you know, I would like to hear somebody once, just once, challenge this myth that private enterprise is always capable of doing something better than government. Well, I know, I know, it's a popular line among you know the uh, uh, come hell or high water, let the market decide, free marketeers, free enterprise, capitalism at its maximum. But you know, folks, uh, there's no substitute for the network that that we had, where you had briefers, and I'm not talking about what we just lost here in the last few months. I'm talking about what we lost in the early '80s when we had 480-some-odd flight service stations around the country staffed by people that knew the regions they covered intimately. I mean, you know, they were capable of going out and looking at weather that the automated equipment can't see and saying, well, you know, it's good here right now, but we see some weather off to the south that the automated stuff's not, uh, you know, can't pick up. So you may not want to come here right now, or you may want to come here a little later. There's two or three things that have occurred here over the years one is is the uh, the number the, the quantity and quality of observations has increased over the years as as more and more automated systems have come online um, that's not to say that an automated system is is 100 percent perfect and and absolutely positively places a human uh, but we do have more um good, let's put it that way, good weather information than we used to have. Back in the 70s, uh, you know, I, I took my private pilot written uh, at, at a local flight service station uh, in Albany, Georgia, back in 1970 by God 3. And, wow. uh, you know, that, that facility is long that since... old. <laughs> yeah. That facility is long since uh, closed and been a memory. But I remember walking in and... and uh, uh, you know, some grizzled veteran uh, kind of tutoring this 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 uh, peach fuzz kid uh, looking to learn how to fly. 
and that's gone. It will never be back, and that is a great loss uh, for us. Um, as far as uh, um, uh, government being able to do, or private sector being able to do something better than the government, I, I just simply would uh, uh, come back to the point that there's a group of people in this country that think government can can cannot do anything well, and uh, they get into a position of power and, and go about proving it every day uh, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, well, they, they, I, I don't really think uh, they have to try. Think, uh, I don't think they're that competent to begin with. No, I, I think I think it's by design, to be honest with you. But uh, that's just me. Not that I'm wearing a tin hat or anything. But so now um, the whole this this whole changeover to to Lockheed Martin running the system is a done deal, and we're not going to undo that probably. So we're, what, we're what's, not undo what should we do to make sure that we're getting the best possible service? We should uh, check and cross check. Uh, as far as service, I don't know that there is anything we can do. I, I would be more concerned about getting uh, the accurate information. And, and to get accurate information um, and, and interpret it on our own, which is a really, to me, the key is the interpretation, not the That's actual true. letters and, and, and numbers. Right, um, we got, we, we've got more data than we can possibly exactly. use on a flight. Exactly. It's, a, it's a matter of knowing which data uh, uh, we need to use what we can ignore, and then how to put it together to give ourselves the best possible picture. And, and and that's one of those things, unfortunately, that really only comes with seasoning and experience. And how do we get seasoning and experience? We go out and we get our toe in the water and get our knuckles wrapped a little bit and find out, ooh, that really wasn't such a good idea. And I yeah. think that's good advice on how to get the information we need for each individual flight. But what about on the larger sense for kind of keeping Lockmart or whoever on their toes? I mean, AOPA says we should be reporting these problems. Um, and that's, exactly, that's exactly the first step. We should yeah. be documenting uh, and reporting these problems. Who would we report them to? Well, to uh, AOPA, Lockmart has, um, and I forget the URL of the website, but on their um, flight service station program website, they have complaint forms. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, those com- uh, uh, now, are they bigger than four-point type? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, the, the 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 utility of that and the the uh, 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 impact it may have is is somewhat in question. Um, but that's another uh, avenue for uh, documentation and complaint. A third one uh, would be uh, the NASA ASRS uh, process, where the aviation safety uh, reporting system, where you um, uh, go in and document for NASA's uh, system uh, problems that you may or may not have encountered with flight service stations. A fourth one would be directly to the Department of Transportation and the FAA in the Office of Inspector General at DOT. Um, there, I'm sure there is a, a, a mechanism by which the public can uh, comment and can bring to the attention of uh, DOT problems associated with flight service station yeah. systems. So those, are, those are four different ways, and I would encourage everybody to, to uh, uh, take advantage of all four methods. Yeah. Dave, you want to finish up this subject? Do you have something you want to add? I'm just going to say, you know, if 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 all else fails, send it to AOPA. Yep. I mean, it, you know, yeah, if, start if, if any of these other issues or, or have have problems with them or uh, lack of time, it, report it to at least AOPA, right. and they'll get it into the system and aggregate it with all the other aggravations. Moving on, uh, one bit of uh, encouraging news over the past <coughs> week uh, was that. Uh, uh, 
the House uh, Representative James Oberstar, who is the chairman of one of the key committees uh, regarding FA reauthorization, um, has uh, come out and, and made some very positive comments. And I'm going to maybe Jeb, you're the better one to summarize this for us. Um, well, as I understand it, Oberstar, uh, who is chairman of the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee, uh, has uh, stated that uh, there will be no user fees in the House version of FAA reauthorization. Uh, and that is, is great news. I saw a blurb um, on an airport, a commercial airport-related uh, newsletter uh, talking about there will be increases in passenger facility charges. Um, there will be some other tweaks designed to help fund uh, airport, uh, specifically commercial airport infrastructure, not GA airports. Um, <clears throat> the proof is in the pudding. <clears throat> Um, the the timing of, of the House bill is kind of up in the air. It may, it may be this week, maybe today or tomorrow. It uh, uh, probably will come before the July 4 break. We've we've talked in the past about the House bill was expected, uh, I think, m before Memorial Day, and that did not occur. Um, certainly, it's good news uh, if the House follows through and if Oberstar does what he says he's going to do. Um, there's some pushback uh, in the House. Uh, there's a lot of pushback on the Senate side. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the Senate bill, um, uh, to, to kind of recap, um, doesn't embrace the uh, the FAA proposals for user fees, but it does include a $25 per flight fee for turbine aircraft. Uh, I don't know exactly how that's worded. I don't know if you... you you lift off a, a, a Bell uh, um, uh, Jet Ranger from Hover and, and park it on the other side of the ramp. If that counts as a flight, or if it has uh, to be it's an only IFR. for it's IFR. Okay. The twenty-five dollar is an IFR yeah. fee. Uh, uh, that's 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 what I suspect. Yeah, uh, no, that's what it says. Punchline though is that uh, the the chief antagonists on the Senate side in in, in support of that twenty-five dollar fee. Uh, who are Jay Rockefeller, the chairman of that uh, of the aviation subcommittee, and Trent Lott, the ranking Republican on the aviation subcommittee, have have basically kind of drawn a line in the sand, saying, if if we don't get this twenty five dollar per turbine flight uh, fee, we're not going to have a bill this year. Um, so what's going to happen um, uh, is anyone's guess. Hey, I would I would suggest to you that the House bill will be passed without user fees, the Senate bill. Uh, will be passed uh, with the $25 uh, per flight fee in it, and all of this will go to conference sometime in September, October, and uh, um, the outcome is unknown. Right. So, I mean, the the good news or the, or, or the part of the punchline that I would pull out of this is that um, our our feelings are being heard. Uh, we're getting the message out there, and our, yes. our 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 views are being heard. But that doesn't mean a we've won anything. Right. Um, nope. B it's not over till the fat lady sings. C keep up the pressure. Exactly. This our is, views this are being is heard, all, but we got to need to keep it up. So uh, if you haven't this already, this is all positive education, but it is not conclusion. Right. Right. So if you haven't already uh, contacted your reps, uh, or even if you had. Uh, it, it, Now's a good time to start again. Yep, is That's to right. uh, let your representatives know in a respectful uh, way that uh, you, you know, whatever your feelings are, and uh, or a disrespectful way. Not that we would tell you how to do it. That's right. <laughs> but, well, in uh, Jeb, everything Jeb mentioned is 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 pretty much on point. Uh, the uh, the whole issue with how uh, uh, Rockefeller and Lot feel over on the Senate side may be obviated 
by uh, uh, the Senate Finance Committee, who is yet to, if I understand correctly, has yet to have its say on this. And since they're the tax writing committee on the Senate side, uh, I think they can be, I think Rockefeller and, and, and Lott can be worked around on this in a, in, in a manner that will make them ineffective at the end. But well, that's going to depend on the amount of noise we make. Exactly right. And it also depends, and I haven't looked at the Senate Finance Committee roster to, to really kind of pick and choose among uh, who's there and, and who would be on our side, who would be approachable, and who's uh, uh, just cross them off the list. Um, with that in mind, however, the House Ways and Means Committee, which is the tax writing committee in the House, seems also to have some say in some of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I have not heard or seen anything come out of that committee or members of that committee saying uh, how, they would, uh, how they would proceed. Uh, Charlie Rangel, uh, representing Harlem uh, for a number of years, um, is, is chairman of that committee. And um, in the past, he's been fairly... Uh, uh, receptive uh, to uh, aviation issues, general aviation issues, business aviation issues, um, but um, uh, how that how it will finally come out is anybody's guess. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing is that uh, Ways and Means is basically looking at the moment to Oberstar and uh, the uh, transportation. Which they should. Right. And uh, what comes out of transportation is what Ways and Means is going to start with on the markup. And depending on how good a job Oberstar and company do in being convincing and overwhelming on what they want to do, uh, it ended over to uh, ways and means with uh, without much incentive to change it. Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Uh-oh. So that's good. But let's. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Moving. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, let's see. Now we talked uh, last week about the fact that uh, they were way behind in issuing passports, and uh, <laughs> once again, uh, Washington hurt us because uh, before we even had a chance. It kind of makes you wonder who's listening to this before it goes out on the street. I, I know that's the thing. Before we even had our, our episode posted on the net, um, uh, the uh, the White well, House. Would, it was the White this House. This would be announced. the uh, right. This would be the. Uh, 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 the uh, Homeland Security Department's uh, uh, eavesdropping program. They're, they're listening. listening to us. They're listening to us live. And so, so uh, then they're running over to the State thing, Department right? saying, holy crap, these guys are picking on us again. The, uh, hey, the, uh, whoever, whoever's listening from the NSA, would you raise your hand, please? That's right. So the White House has announced that they have temporarily suspended the new requirement that U.S. passports be used for citizens flying to and from Canada, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Bermuda. Um, and this is, this is just directly as a result of the fact that they can't fulfill all the requ- requests for new passports fast enough. And, uh, you know, I don't know. There's so much we could say on this subject. I mostly want to just point out, I, I, there's nothing more to be said here except to point out to people that um, it's not so critical anymore. Um, well, and, and there are some conditions. Okay? okay. They've suspended it. They suspended the rule about the passport. Uh, that doesn't mean that you got carte blanche to come and go from those regions on your driver's license like you used to. You're going to need a photo ID. And you're going to need a form from the State Department that confirms that you have paid your money, bought your ticket, and are taking the ride on having a new passport uh, right. processed. Yeah, right. You have to be able to show that you and it's in the system 
at the State Department, and that's been one of the hang-ups. Applications have been sitting in mailbags for four and five weeks before they even show up in the system. So this uh, suspension of the hard rule is no doubt about it. It's a smart thing to do for the moment, uh, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a slam dunk for all of you that had travel plans and no passports. Uh, if you uh, are, are like uh, uh, Amy Lobota, who was with us uh, recently and talked about this, the uh, application may not even be in their system yet, which could cause you a little problem getting the form. But there's a website for this. Uh, and it's definitely doable. So your summer vacation is not screwed up to Canada or the Caribbean or Bermuda or Mexico just because you don't have your passport. Chapter 37 in the continuing saga of government doesn't work, and if you don't believe us, let us prove it to you. That's right. Except flight service stations. <laughs> Here's my off-field landing of the week. Uh, this is uh, um, this is uh, let's see now. Uh, wow, a fleet biplane. Recently, plane. a 1937 fleet bi- biplane was flying. Um, um, it was a guy giving his grandson a, fl- a ride, and uh, oh, he um, gave him a ride. Yeah, and and over Malibu, California, uh, he uh, suddenly got a bad vibration uh, and decided to set it down. And uh, Just supposed to get good vibrations in California. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah, well, not that kind. And so he set it down in a field right near uh, one of the main roads in uh, Malibu. Apparently, they were holding a chili cook-off nearby. And uh, uh, but he set he set the airplane down safely. And, down, uh, Dave. Down, down. I'd like, I'd like two chilies to go, please. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, congratulations to. Uh, let's see if his name was in the story here. I, uh, I haven't pulled up the story, but Rudy. 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 Give his last Rudy. name. Rudy. Rudy, who declined to get. Yeah, that's right. Rudy, who declined to give Can't his last name. And uh, boy, that had to be tough to get on a birth certificate. Rudy, who declined to get. Yeah, okay. All right. So, uh, congratulations, Rudy. Good job. Uh, you know, you know, it's interesting. And and one of the reasons I like to do this off-field landing of the week thing is to just kind of give some visibility to the fact that every time an airplane has trouble in flight, it doesn't involve flaming crashes to the ground or schools. Right. Somebody struck, doesn't you know? die. You know. Yeah. You know, there there are you know many 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 safe emergency landings all the time you know and uh, I I found this one this morning I was just curious because I hadn't seen any in the real popular press and I went into Google News and did a search on um, on emergency landing all right and I had like a dozen to pick from you know yeah. and uh, um, I, I was looking for one that had a little bit of, but there's just lots of very routine Monday I mean some of them that didn't have any kind of fun chili cook-off aspect to them um, <laughs> that happen all the time you know all over the it's, world and uh, could I get that with no beans please yeah, that's right so congratulations Rudy good job good job to everybody who uh, hope who, the chili was good who manages their uh, their uh, emergency landing safely Let's see what else here. Um, so we got we got a couple of new pieces of viewer mail, listener mail this past week. Um, our friend Charlie Becker from EAA sent us some terrific pictures. We were talking over the past few weeks about the new tower they're building at Whitman Field in Oshkosh, and uh, uh, Charlie actually went out and took some new pictures. Uh, I don't know if he took them exactly for us, but uh, I'm going to th- say he did and. Uh, uh, send us a whole bunch. We're going to post them on the website, but uh, they're really moving can, along. I was I was amazed. They've got this tower structure, you know. I mean, already. Well, you, you know this. The you know the uh, the uh, uh, substructure engineering was done by Lego. Yeah, 
you know, that's the term I was going to use too. It's kind of interesting to see how they're putting this thing together. It really is like Lego pieces that they're assembling um, into the form of a, of a tower structure. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether they put the cab in place with a big uh, skyhook helicopter or something. I don't know. And uh, But uh, they're making great progress. And Charlie sent us some really cool pictures, and they'll be on the website uh, probably before this gets posted on the net. Um, so go check the, uh, the blog for that information. Um, also, Rusty from Ohio. Now, we've talked a lot, and I don't want to belabor this because we've talked, spent a lot of time talking about headsets, um, um, but Rusty from Ohio did send us in a little, his little bit of feedback. He says, I'm, uh, I'm at 23 hours, a student pilot, obviously, uh, and I bought an ASA HS1 headset. Uh, I bought some gel ear pads for 20 bucks, total investment under $150, and some days, someday when I pass my test and decide to treat myself to a new set with uh, ANR, I will have a great extra set with a lifetime warranty for my passenger. Very goes, smart. Very he, smart. He goes on to say the lower price is also nice for intro, introducing spouses to the idea that though flying does cost money, it can be manageable. And lastly, and this is why I want, particularly wanted to bring this up, he says uh, he says do do you guys have any thoughts on the idea that uh, a, a, a passive noise reduction might be better for students who need to learn to listen to the airplane before they concern themselves with a super quiet ride? Is there something to be learned? Is there a lesson to be learned in being able to hear your airplane and how it performs? Yes. Well, we do, we, we do know one thing. If it gets really quiet, that's not a good thing. Yeah. So, okay. Um, no, but seriously, I mean, okay, you know, for, I mean, there's, you know, there's the, like, <laughs> hearing the wind noise on landing, right? You know, you're trying to feel for your airspeed and... Uh, oh, I don't know. You don't think so? I, I think... Um, um, so you use, you, want, you use noise reduction on your, on your ultralight flying, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, Jeb. Go ahead. I, I think if you want to hear everything that's going on with the airplane, you need to have active noise reduction um, to eliminate the wind noise, to eliminate uh, that, that yeah, steady yeah. background howl and, and rush uh, past the cabin. Um, well, and then so there's that the, hear the, anomalies. the exhaust. And right. So you can hear the anomalies when they occur. Uh, that's the key is, is what you what's not steady – and, and which uh, um, is not one of these these uh, high or low pit I, I forget which uh, background noises that these A and R headsets tend to block very well. Well, they, uh, they, yes. they primarily block lower frequency noise like right. the exhaust noise and the prop noise. Right. Yes, uh, you can you can use a passive headset and hear everything, uh, or you can use an A and R headset and hear only what you really need to hear. There's also a fatigue issue I think here, uh, especially for a student pilot who is not accustomed to, to being uh, uh, perhaps in a light plane or is not accustomed to actually working, uh, uh, concentrating on something when he or she is in a light plane, that, that, that higher or the, that, that louder noise, uh, uh, regardless of the frequencies, uh, can over time be very fatiguing. Um, with an A&R headset, at least, a, at least a good quality A&R headset, yeah, there's a, there's a lower volume background noise uh, that you hear, but um, um, the, the, the stuff that you do here is the important stuff. The bottom line is that constant howl of the wind going by the cabin uh, over time can be very fatiguing, not, the least, not least of which it can harm your hearing. Well, and you can turn your radios down. Right. Uh, with A&R headsets, you can get by with much lower volumes on your intercom. Uh, all of those go toward preserving your hearing. 
They go toward better understanding what's being said to you because when you push the volume on some of these things up, uh, even with decent quality headsets, uh, you can push the headsets to the point of starting to get some uh, 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 over-modulation distortion. And then you're hearing it, but it's harder to understand, uh-huh. and that's 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 not good for your uh, that's not good for you no matter what level of uh, pilot experience you're, you're at. So and another uh, fact too is when you're especially when you're in an instruction environment, you absolutely. want to be able to hear the instructor, and you need to be able for the instructor to hear you when you say yes, no, maybe do I ask a question, things of this sort. The communication between student and instructor. Uh, you you got to have an intercom. you got to have a good quality headset so that you're not shouting at each other and you're not missing nuances. So, Rusty, you're off to a good start, man. I mean, very yeah. smart and yeah. glad that they work for you. Uh, don't be shy about moving on to A&R when, right. you know, when the wife and the budget and the, and the bucks all come together uh, uh, because you'll, you'll start learning some new things from what you hear that you can't hear now. Rusty, don't uh, don't mis- don't make the mistake of thinking that we're criticizing your choice of a of a passive uh, no, headset. No, no, I think I think he's I made think a you, smart I think choice. You made, I think you made a very smart choice, uh, and and you've done it uh, with the eye of of upgrading down the road when finances and experience allow. Um, no arguments. Uh, uh, more power no. to you. Keep keep us posted on how the training goes. Yeah, but don't yeah. don't let don't let your inexperience. Uh, uh, be an artificial barrier to moving on to the next level when you're ready. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because it, it, it's pretty much a positive across the board uh, in, in terms of being a better environment for you to learn in and, and, and enjoy your flying. And, and you either never let your wife try the A&R headsets or get two. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're getting ready to spring for another one. That's right, Rick. <laughs> Well, we're reaching the end of our allotted time here. Uh, any uh, last-minute shout-outs here? Anything uh, you want to call attention to before we finish? Oh, I was going to shout out one other thing on the calendar. Uh, well, I did, too. While you're thinking of that, um, I wanted to call attention to the fact that... Now, do you guys know, have the Blue Angels resumed their regular schedule yet? Yes. They have. Yeah, I don't know about so, their yeah. regular schedule, but they have resumed uh, uh, schedules. Because I was noticing on my calendar that I marked uh, down the fact that uh, the Blue Angels originally, there in their original schedule, uh, were going to be in North Kingston, Rhode Island, up here in New England, uh, the uh, next weekend, the weekend of the 23rd and 24th. So if you're in the New England or the Northeast, uh, within driving distance or flying distance of North Kingston, Rhode Island, you may have a chance to see the Blue Angels. I was just looking at the Blue Angels website, and it does not explicitly say they're not doing. As a matter of fact, it, it talked about schedule changes back in May, um, but it seems to indicate that they, they think they're back on schedule. So uh, North Kingston, Rhode Island, the 23rd and the 24th, we'll put a link to the Blue Angels schedule in the show notes. Oh, here I go. Uh, Kansas City area, uh, Gardner Municipal Airport, that's Kilo 3-4, uh, weekend of June 22-23, that's the weekend after the one coming up. I'm, I'm trying to push my shout outs on some of these events to the weekend after the one coming up because uh, so many of us don't get to hear this until it's too late to act on it when we when we talk about the coming weekend so greater kansas city vintage fly in at gardner municipal airport uh you can fly in friday uh for uh the early arrivals we're gonna have a cookout radio control planes and and a movie that night uh saturday there's a fly-in pancake breakfast starting at eight 
Uh, they'll have lunch on the field. Uh, going to be some pilot proficiency events in the afternoon. There's another cookout Saturday evening. Uh, there's a link to uh, the, the folks to talk to on our calendar site. Uh, but that's a nice little airport. Airport, not far outside the Kansas City area. Nice little airport and uh, a, a lot of fun at the event. So if that's on your uh, itinerary, on your flight path, it would be worth stopping in for on June 22, 23. There you go. Jeb, anything for uh, coming up? Not or? at this time other than that gathering of Mustangs. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks again, guys. I appreciate your taking the time. and. Uh, uh, Thank you. Look forward to talking to you again next week. We're starting to get geared up for, into Oshkosh mode. Uh, I, think I was just, that was I was just going to say about five weeks from now, something uh, like that. Able- and uh, um, and I think actually that's dead on the money for Jeb and oh, me. Five yeah, weeks right. from today. Yeah. And so in the meantime, I think uh, as we get a little bit, a couple more weeks from now, we'll start to have some features in the podcast uh, with uh, previews of things that we're looking forward to at Oshkosh. Hopefully, we'll have some special guests, and we'll have more details for you about our particular plans for the podcast while we're out there. At as soon Field. as we make them. Yeah, as soon as we make them. Uh, uh, perhaps sooner. Who knows? So, uh, <laughs> thanks again. Yeah. Jeb, you there's are... Ready, ready fire, no, aim. We wouldn't, we'll never stop us before. That's right. Jeb, no Jack H like our Jack that's H. That's right. Jeb, and Jeb, you're on the web at uh, jebburnside.com, also aviationsafetymagazine.com and avweb.com. Dave, uh, uh, your pictures and a lot of other fun stuff at davehigdon.com. Uh, I am at jackhodgson.com and also techpopuli.net. And you can join us all uh, on the Uncontrolled Airspace website at uncontrolledairspace.com. So uh, thank you guys for uh, joining, uh, getting together this morning. And thank you to Thanks everyone. Thanks for having us over to the hangar. There you go. That's right. And, and, and again, to the NSA guys listening, uh, please feel free to leave feedback on the website. That's right. Uh, and, and, and a few dollars in the tin cup wouldn't hurt. We're Ab- always abs- open to a government grant. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks to everyone, and we'll talk to you all again next time. AMF. The country's in the very best of hands. The best of hands. The best of hands. The country's in the very best of hands. The best of hands. The best of hands. You ought to hear the Senate when they're drawing up a bill. In each codicil Such legal terminology Would give your heart a thrill There's phrases there that no one understands